Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. I'm Amanda. I'm Evan. And this is a Reviews Days. Evan, why? Why are we doing a Reviews Days? Because it's some, it's some extra content get in deeper into our brains or why this specific episode why this specific episode well i thought that we needed some context for friday's episode so i did you dirty and we're doing three albums today plus a little bit of an episode revisiting an earlier episode i'm unhappy and is it because you're married to me that's part of it so, let me preface this whole episode by saying, I've already chewed Evan out once over his decision here. Yes, he did me dirty. He His words, exactly. I've already chewed him out once. And as a way to start making it up to me, not only do I get payback at a later date and time. But you have alcohol to help. Oh, I'm getting to that. He gave me an extra album in December. He picked he picked up a bunch of garbage food for dinner, which is always appreciated. Not always. Sometimes appreciated as an apology. And then as an extra added apology, he bought me two giant cans of hard Mountain Dew. Okay, I bought you one. One was for me. We just weren't sure which one was going to end up with him. I am drinking a giant-ass can of hard Mountain Dew right now. So I'm feeling pretty good. I think it's a good start to your apology. Evan, introduce the first one. Okay, so I know we already talked about it in an early episode. But I think we need to touch on Master Puppets. Based on everything else that we're going to get into. Yep. So, Master Puppets was released on March 3rd of 1986. Uh, peaked at number 29 on the Billboard 200. First metal recording to be selected by the Library of Congress for the National Recording Registry. Was hailed as a masterpiece by critics outside of the thrash audience. And sold 500,000 copies in its first year with no radio airplay. Right. And no music so, videos. It was impressive. So that's that's where we're starting with this. Um, I have two different articles that I'm going to give you more information on everything else. So to keep it fair, I'm going to give it to you here as well. Okay. One is a 25 Essential Thrash Albums by Revolver and Martin Popoff. And I know we talked about him. I believe in this episode, uh, in Black Sabbath episode, and a couple other of these, that, that's a name that's that's popped up, not mm-hmm. popped off a couple times. I don't like that. I know. I, I heard what you did there not see because you hear with your ears. So his, their article essentially says that Ride Lightning established Metallica as a threat as the thrash act with not only the most personality but the most skill and ambition its follow-up took their new epic palette into cinemascope 
and did so with such mastery that Master Puppets consistently pulls as the greatest metal album of all time, thrash or otherwise. And the Go no, ahead. Go ahead. You you go. Go ahead. I gotta get my other source. Is, anyway. it, is your note still about Master Puppets? Yes. Then no. I'm still on Master Puppets. Okay. And then there was a top fifty thrash albums of all time by Loudwire. Mm-hmm. And it hit number one, and it was saying that their climb from obscurity wouldn't really be complete until the Black Album crossed over into the mainstream, but the group managed to launch Thrash out of the underground trenches in scarcely three years when Master Puppets achieved platinum respectability. Despite several worthy challengers, this remains the ultimate Thrash album. Okay. But... This episode isn't about Master Puppets. No, that is to give us some background information. Because we're talking three different albums. And you did me dirty. Yes. Three different albums. And it's not just that you picked three for one episode. What kinds of albums were they? Well, I'm getting there. You need to get there faster. No, because you need to get through more Mountain Dew. So we have I, a whole another episode to record after this. Yes, I know. We're doing this properly because we're we're getting our context first, and then we are getting into the actual episode. So I made a comment that Master of Puppets was the start of a dick measuring competition. Mm-hmm. You look so thrilled. I'm giving Evan the side eye, and some of it's because I'm tired, some of it's... I'm going to say, like, 40% is because I'm tired, 18% is because I'm already starting to feel alcohol, and the rest of whatever that math up, math's up to be is just because you're you. Continue. I do have one last thing to say on Master Puppets. Okay. Uh, it's probably the most popular of these four albums. And it's also probably the most personal in terms of subject matter, I would think, with Mm -hmm. the addiction and all those. Okay. So, in September of 86, September 19th, Megadeth released Peace Sells But Who's Buying. That is the the Revolver review. Uh, major label deal in hand, a chip on a shoulder, and an excellent, though short-lived, lineup backing him up. Ex-Metallica guitarist Dave Mustaine channeled personal bitterness and pointed politics through his signature snarl and superior shredding skill, created, creating this masterpiece of thinking man's thrash. And on the Loudwire, this is number five. Uh, Dave Mustaine's vows that he would have his revenge and find success after Metallica started gaining some credence with this career-defining sophomore album. So he was part of Metallica, and then everything went sideways. So he said, I'm going to do better than them. And this is, what, six months later? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you want to get into reviews first, or I have a little bit more information? Just just. Do do all your information. Okay. Get it out of the way. This is torture. Mustaine and his bassist stated they wanted to change the public perception of heavy metal by writing songs that contained socially aware lyrics. And we started to notice that on Master Puppet. So that's already kind of 
bleeding through, and you look so thrilled. <laughs> Can you at least pretend to care? Good. <laughs> so even though it's an audio medium and they can't see it. Uh, the video for P-Cells became an MTV mainstay, and that's really... We'll get more into the other two later on, but you'll notice that that's really the only part of this that got any attention mm -hmm. anywhere. I uh, noticed that when I listened to the album, that was the one that had the star next to it. Yeah. Uh, asked whether the band members really believe in the subject matters they write. Mustaine responded, we're aware of the subjects we write about, but we're not condoning them. And we're going to run into more of that later on. And it, it all kind of, you can see an evolution of, okay, point A to point B, point B to point X, and so on. Uh, Lars has said that my last words off of this album is his favorite Megadeth song. Um, Carrie King from Slayer played a few shows with Megadeth early on mm -hmm. and then decided he was going to keep in Slayer full time. So everybody's kind of these, the big four that they're often referred to are kind of just, there's so many links between them. And if I had more red thread and more time, I could draw a whole spider map of Charlie day. Me yeah. from uh, it's always sunny. Yeah, I could, I could get, cause you could target this to this and this to this. And so on. Well, I think that's that's also a way that music works in general. I'm not trying to discredit your information here, but I think that is you can kind of do that with a lot of different things in music. Yeah, well, these are quote-unquote competition, you know, all at the same time. Right. So to see the lines from your, like I said, quote-unquote competition just falling in line. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you, we'll get, we'll have you give your reviews first for these albums. Okay. So are you doing, are you telling what all the albums are? Or are we just we're doing we're going, we're going one, at, we're going one Maybe by one. Not that people wouldn't know by the information on the, the, the episode. Title? Yeah. That's the word you're looking for? Yep. Okay. We're off to a great start, Bermanda. Yep. Um, so Megadeth. Didn't like it. <laughs> it just, it was too heavy for me. We've talked before about how I think I'm a metal fan. I like, I like softcore metal. <laughs> Not hardcore metal. But it just, there were, there were some parts in a few songs that I like the guitar riffs for. Um, it just was too heavy overall and I didn't care for it. But I could see how it related to Metallica Master of Puppets. I could see there were some songs I listened to and I was like, that sounds like Master of Puppets. That and I didn't know anything about the musicians Yeah, going along swapping, with you know, yeah. I, so it kinda makes a little little sense, a little more sense. But I could definitely hear Metallica in it. I just didn't like well, it. Well I I think that Master of Puppets is the we said that that's the first one without Mustang getting any credit. Uh -huh. And I believe I said that there are some arguments as to whether or not he should have gotten some credit. So you can hear his writing in the first three Metallica albums. And when that's when you're, that's what you're 
what's the word I'm looking for? Something. Cheese. No, I don't think cheese. More ham. Um, that's what you're accustomed to. You know, you, you can hear it in other places. Are you keeping anything off of it? What do you think? Yes. Which ones do you think I'm keeping? I ain't superstitious. Incorrect. Do you know why? Why? Because that's a Willie Dixon blues song that was done by Howlin' Wolf in the early 60s. Just because I would like that version doesn't mean I'm going to keep all versions of that song. Well, I figured you would like the more bluesy influence. And that's another thing is... It's because it's a bluesy influence doesn't make this blues. This is metal. But... This is... It's the same thing with Christmas songs. I might like this version of Oh Holy Night, but I'm not going to like twisted sister's version of oh holy night if such a thing even exists just because it's a different style i don't care for it but the the point that i want to make is we said that everybody's influenced by everybody and it's which i can appreciate yeah and it's just weird to hear some of these things like some of these pieces in this like i okay let's say a, a a catholic church choir covered master of puppets would you put that on your phone i'd listen to it would you put that would you keep it i'd have to hear it would you keep it i'd have to hear it but that that's essentially what you're telling me is if you like a song you're gonna keep keep it across these genres and i think you're full of no i said i would think you would keep it because i think you'd like that style because it's it's not that style it's a more bluesy okay compared to the rest of the album it was more toned down, but overall, no. No, stop forcing your music on me. So I'm going to keep two songs. Okay. I'm going to keep... I ain't superstitious, and I'm going to keep Peace Cells. Okay. Do you even want to give it a letter grade? I did, because that's the assignment. What was your letter grade? D. For don't like it. Well, I will tell you, I think it's the it's probably the weakest of the four. For me? No, in general. In general? I don't like it. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a huge Megadeth fan. I think that out of these four albums, there's going to have to be one that's ranked fourth on the list. I mean, yeah. that's just how numbering works. What? So, this to me is number four. Okay. So, continue with the torture. Okay. What came next? And then... What, three weeks later, on October 7th, Slayer releases Rain and Blood. And from Loudwire, Slayer were the new face of speed metal, and yet they were so confrontationally evil that they could have easily been considered death and black metal too. Confounding genre tags in 28 minutes of howling fury, Rain and Blood proves them to be simply great. Okay. And on Essential Thrash albums, this is number three. Number three. Number three. Still the most intense, riveting 30 minutes in metal, Rain and Blood exploded with the provocative Angel of Death and just kept on challenging and offending every conservative belief and institution it cared to until the devastating closing tandem of postmortem and Raining Blood. Many bands contributed something to thrash metal's rise, but Slayer arguably had the last word when they condensed it all to a razor-sharp point. So, I have some more information for you. Okay. So, we said on, well, I said, because you're just kind of sitting there, on Megadeth that they understand what they're talking about, but they don't condone it. 
the same thing here. They stated they don't condone Nazism, but were merely interested in the subject. Because you know that's what Angel of Death is about. Sure, I do now. Uh, Mangle? Joseph mm-hmm. Mangle? Yeah, that's that's what that song is. Mm. Okay. Um, do you, I think we brought him up before. Rick Rubin, producer? Yeah. So this is their first work with him. He was more uh, hip-hop oriented. So if you listen to this and you listen to the first couple albums, it's a different sound. It's cleaner. It's faster. And that was one of the things that he brought with him. Um, They also said that they were listening to Metallica and Megadeth. And they were finding the repetition of guitar riffs tiring. If we do a verse two or three times, we're already bored with it. So we're not we're not trying to make them shorter. We're just kind of okay. We don't want to keep repeating it. We're just gonna do it once. Do it. Do this part. Do this part. Okay, we're done. Move on. Uh, they were concerned. Well, Ruben was concerned that it was only a half hour, and they didn't know it was a. Ha- they didn't realize how short it was, and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And Ruben said, "Hey." You got ten songs, verse, chorus, leads. That's what makes an album. So, there's your album. And it was like, oh, this all can fit on one side of a cassette. So when you're done, you can just flip it over and listen to the whole thing again. So, I made you listen to something else before we started. I made Mm -hmm. you listen to No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Yeah, you really did me dirty. Like, listen to all this stuff for one episode that's supposed to be short. Okay, do you know why? No, because you don't explain anything. Okay, what part did I make you listen to? The guitar riff. Okay, that was done by Carrie King from Slayer. And you couldn't tell me that? No, because I needed to save it for here. But I did say when you played that for me, in trying to engage in a conversation with you, I said I did hear something. Yeah. You know, I, just... I could tell it, but I, yeah, because you don't... You you t- you say this stuff, and then I said, "Was Dustin Diamond's brother the one that died?" And you looked at me, and I said, "Mike Diamond." And you looked at me, and I said, "Mike Diamond is a member of Beastie Boys." And you just you're like, "Oh, I didn't know that." <laughs> so it's like you moron. Continue. Uh, the music is abrasive and faster than previous releases. They're abrasive. Helping to narrow the gap between thrash metal and its predecessor, hardcore punk. So I have some. I have a list of bands for you, and you tell me if you can hear some of them. They relate. They're not necessarily the same time frame. Some are before. Some are after. Ghost. And you tell me if you can hear a direct line from from, from this album specifically. Dead Kennedys. Okay. Early Rise Against. Uh, not really familiar with their work. Uh, really, I think the. I know the unraveling. Okay. That's part of it. Uh, have you ever heard early AFI? No. Before... I came in with December Underground. Okay. It was... So, the one before that was that same style, but everything before that. Okay. Uh, Suicidal Tendencies. Don't know them. They did a song for um, Tony Hawk, Psychovision. Okay. You, I think you'd know it if you heard it. They're all... In that same one. And the other one is Stormtroopers of Death. Don't know them. 
Well, that's got Scott Ian from Anthrax in it. So it's Baldy all... Baldy McBeardy? Baldy McBeardy, and that's what I wrote in my notes. But I wanted to make sure you knew who I was talking about. So, do you want to give your review? Did you keep anything? Here's my review. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I did like it better than Megadeth. That's a, that's a surprise. But I didn't care for it. Um, again, it was just too heavy. Um, we joke that Ghost is Slayer but slower. And Postmortem was a song that I could hear Ghost. It, it gave me a, a Ghost vibe. See, I have a, I have a problem with this album because other than the ends, I can't tell any of it apart. Mm-hmm. But it, it made me think of sitting at the show listening to the opening groups the heavier groups it had that heavy rock sound that is iconic and stereotypical of a rock concert but i just didn't care for it so your answer is no i'm not keeping anything uh i believe there's one other thing that i want to tell you would you like my rating while you're looking that up sure i gave it a d plus Ooh. <laughs> that's uh that's an improvement <laughs> i i'm shocked that you like that one more than megadeth yeah so uh, I'll keep it simple. I think this is the definition of what thrash is. You know, you look at these four and you say, okay, that's right. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of them are not slow, but when you when you put that on and then you listen to this, you're like, oh, that is a lot slower than this. And that's where I think Master of Puppets plays in. Because Damage Incorporated is at the end of that. And you listen and you're like, okay, there's some there's some grooving with this. And I I have it written down, but not in front of me. There's one off of P-Cells that reminds me of Damage Incorporated. And it's a little bit faster. It's like, okay, you can you can start to see where you're picking up speed to, to pass your competition. And then you hear Raining Blood and you're like, nope, nope. I, I'm, you win. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna we're gonna slow it down because even their next one, uh, South of Heaven is a, is slow. I mean they're not trying. It was we just talked about it with Michael Jackson. Like how do you top Thriller? You don't. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they look. We don't top this. We just kind of okay. So. so yeah. So I'm keeping Angel of Death oh, yeah. and Raining Blood. Okay, you give it. Da, it's better than Megadeth, but. It's still not my favorite. I mean, they're all, they're all in mid-range Bs. I mean, I don't hate them. Obby. <laughs> okay, so, so the last one in this torturing set is Anthrax's Among the Living, which came out in March of '87. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit later than these other two. Um, again, the Revolver. Review, besides helping to put the word mosh into the pop lexicon and featuring the best metal song about Native Americans since Maiden's Run to the Hills, Among the Living showcased Charlie Bennett's insane speed drumming and Scott Ian and Dan Spitz's hardcore inflected guitar work, which together made for a total beatdown NYC style. I'm sorry, are we just going to ignore that? Yep. No, 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 no. Uh, I have one more point to say. Okay. Which is interesting because this is the only East Coast band. The other okay. three are all West, West Coast. Coast. And you listen to that and you're, you can tell there's a 
different sound to it. Yes, it's all kind of, you listen to all three of them and they all kind of blend together, but there's one distinct part that stands out. Go ahead. So you mentioned Run to the Hills. And what you didn't see, because it's an audio medium, is that Evan flipped me off when he said Run to the Hills. Because for years, Evan has forced Iron Maiden on me to where I know Iron Maiden songs, and I don't want to know Iron Maiden songs. Why not? It's slower than all of this. So I sing Run to the Hills, the chorus of Run to the Hills, at the top of my lungs in the highest pitch I can do. To the point where Evan gets so mad if I even open my mouth to try, he will shut the song off. He won't even play it around me anymore if he can avoid it. So when he mentioned it, he flipped me off because he knew what was coming. Yep. (laughs) And then on the Loudwire, it's number nine. So all three or all four of these, including Master Puppets, are in the top ten. Um. Anthrax secured their place among thrash metal's big four with 1987's platinum breakthrough Among the Living, a genuine cornerstone of the genre. Stellar fare like the title track, I Am the Law, and Indians were inspired by a Molotov cocktail of Stephen King, comic books, and some incisive social commentary. Things every metalhead could relate to. And with Cotton Amash... I needed a refill. <laughs> Anthrax helped popularize <laughs> popularize the first of many expressions particular to the thrash scene in Lexicon. So, would you like a little bit of information? Sure. The album is dedicated to Cliff Burton. Oh. Because they were on tour in Europe with Metallica. They were the opener. Oh, when that happened? When that happened. Oh. And I know I touched on that briefly, yeah. but I know you, yeah. you don't listen to me when I talk. Well, that was how long ago. Exactly. I p- try to block out personal traumas. Uh, the album sounds so angry is because Cliff died. We'd lost our friend and it was so wrong and unfair. Um, the music press largely considers Among the Living one of the strongest thrash metal albums ever recorded. So... This one's a bit different than the other two, because this is, especially Rain and Blood there, it's very dark and very serious. I think there's, I don't know if it's on that one, but I know they've done serial killers and and all that. Um, Among the Living has two songs that are inspired by Stephen King. Which is cool, because I love Stephen King. Among the Living is from The Stand. And a skeleton in the closet is from Apt Pupil. Oh yeah, that's a good, good story. Cotton Amash recounts a misadventure that happened to a roadie during an especially agitated concert. Uh, I am the law is about Judge Dread. Okay. Um, and there is a song. The B side of I am the law is a song called I'm the Man, which was. There, it's recorded all at the same time. Uh, it is among the first songs to have mixed rap and metal. Okay. And that's in March of 87. And you look at Run DMC and Aerosmith, which was in July of 86. So everything you can, you can, especially now that with the context of all three of these albums, you're like, okay, I can hear this part is pulling from here. And you can start to see some of the spider webs that are 
that are crap they're cracks that are going out from these albums mm-hmm. and it's not just influencing other thrash it's like you said you could hear it in like some of the beastie boys even real quick uh, i forgot to tell you something about slayer okay uh rain and blood was slayer's first album to enter the u.s billboard 200 or debuted at 127 and peaked at 94 with no radio play interesting and among the living charted in europe and reached number 62 on the billboard chart with no radio play that's really interesting. so to look at these four albums and what they were able to do it was all by word of mouth yeah and then you start branching out because i know we're gonna i know we're gonna touch on it a little bit but then you get into the and justice for all and the black album and rust in peace which got a lot of attention South of Heaven is also considered one of Slayer's best. The next Anthrax album is the one with Antisocial. Mm-hmm. It's a cover. I think you would know that song. And you start seeing, okay, this is starting to get more recognition. But to have this entire section in less than a year, I think that's important to note going forward, especially into Friday. Mm-hmm. Um acclaimed by contemporary modern music critics and is often cited to this day as a favorite among Anthrax fans. It is generally considered the breakout album for Anthrax, their best and most influential. Okay. And then I have, once we're done with this review, I have one more thing that I'd like to say, but go ahead and give your review on this one. Guess what? You didn't like it? Didn't like it. Um... It was for the same reasons. It was just, it's too heavy for me. Um, I think overall, if I had to pick the best one out of the three, this is the one I'd pick. Yep. Yep. Um, But I don't want to listen to it again. I will say I was very impressed with Indians. It was an interesting take on the horrible history of what the American people did to the Native Americans. But still, I don't care for the songs or the album in general. Um, I really did like the opening to ADI uh, slash Horror of It All and Imitation of Life. That's why I gave it a higher rating than the others. But C minus. That is exactly <laughs> what I gave it. That's the only place you can go, really. Yep. Okay, so my little note is that... So I said that Slayer is the definition of thrash uh-huh. and that Master Puppets is the most popular and Megadeth is the weakest. Mm-hmm. My little note is this is the most accessible one for new listeners. Yeah. Because yeah, this isn't as... And I, I don't know if that has to do with the New York style or the East Coast influences. Because mm-hmm. you would have also had more, what, I think the Ramones are in that little section of the world, I think. Yeah. I want to say Bad Brains is from D.C., but I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember where Bad Religion is from, but I... It might be in that area as well. And those are also some of the hardcore punk. Well, not Ramones, but, you know, that, and you can definitely see some of those influences. Um, so I'm going to keep Among the Living, Caught in a Mosh, I Am the Law. We'll just do it. We'll make it easy and say NFL. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that one. I think that's fun. That was, yeah, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's, I wouldn't keep it. A skeleton in the closet, Indians, and imitation of life. Mm-hmm. I think out of these three, this is my favorite. Yeah. So I, see that. I, I I would think 
none of them are i don't think even master puppets i gave an a to but this would be the highest ranked out of these this would probably be like a b plus mm-hmm. and we don't need the context for friday but then you also have uh testaments the legacy released in april um in 2015, Loudwire ranked the album number three on their top ten list of thrash albums not released by the big four. Mm-hmm. Um, the article that I have, it's number 11. Uh, Testament put Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth on notice with their promising first album, which pretty much felt like thrash's second coming in 87. Um, it had all of the ingredients to take testament all the way and they nearly did and then you get into i don't have any of the stuff because that's not my my wheelhouse but then you have creator you have sodom you have um i think dark angel mm-hmm. i think so it is so there are more uh exodus there's a lot of so you have the big four and then you have an expanded version so you have the big eight and then you have the german big four so everything's coming out around the same time. So it's just interesting to see what all it was in such a short period. Um, I also have in the top ten, Rust in Peace is number two, Ride the Lightning is number four, Seasons in the Abyss is number six, Slayer, Kill 'em Alls, or Metallica's Kill 'em Alls is number seven, and South of Heaven is number eight. So a lot of Metallica. Well, Megadeth, Metallica. Meta- so with Master Puppets, Metallica has three, Slayer has three, Megadeth has two. And then Anthrax, so that's nine, and then Exodus mm-hmm. is number ten. Yeah. Um, well, before we close it out, I have a recap. But just overall, I can see how Metallica definitely influenced all yeah, these Yeah, and... It all started together. It was very close together. and I, I can see it. Um, I mean, I will say, even though I, I didn't like them, and I rated them the low. And I will say this again and again. The the music, the musicianship is impressive. Especially when you listen to the isolated drums for Rain and Blood. You, you hear the guitar and all that. And you're like, okay, that kind of slows it down. And then you realize, even if you listen to it at half speed, you're like, okay, this is a... This is a nice steady drum beat, and then mm-hmm. you you put it up to full, and you're like, "My legs hurt. They're gonna fall off." Yeah, it's it's really impressive, and I say that a lot about like, especially about things that I don't know how to play. I say that about people who can play instruments that I play better. I can't. There's I can't play guitar. I can't play drums. It's so it it is impressive. It's just. It's not a style that I like. Um, there were parts that I could specifically hear Metallica, so I, I get why you picked it. I get why you you wanted to do this, but remember, payback a bitch. I know, but like I've said, I think it's important to, especially since we're going to be talking about Injustice for All on Friday, to have context as to what is going on in that sphere because after hearing this and then listening to justice you can realize how much of what they did is a direct result 
of these three albums. Right. Right. It is impressive. So can we close it out? Yep. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this not so this, many mini episode. short episode. Um, we do full length episodes on Fridays where we talk about the history behind an album and um, we do the same reviews part of it. And then on Tuesdays, we do the little minis. And uh, find us on Instagram and Twitter at WorstPodOnMars. Send us an email at WorstPodOnMars at gmail.com. Stop by, say hi, leave us a rating, leave us a review if you can, or email us a review and I'll read it. Um, you can send us a suggestion for Reviews Day's episode. We'll, we might do it if you're nice to us. Uh, okay, bye.